Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Good afternoon, everyone. So how is your week of unleavened bread going so far? Very good, very good. Have you heard about the expression... You are what you eat? Absolutely, right? We know it. And it's true that eventually we just become what we eat, physically speaking. You know, living in Canada, on North American continent, we have more food than anybody else could imagine. We waste more food than probably anybody else in this whole world. If we just collect the leftovers, the things that we just throw to the, to the garbage, we could probably feed half of Africa, if not more. And with all these blessings, with all this food that we have, we became a sick society. The food-related illness, it's all over the place. And you know, including me, I have a hot blood pressure and, you know, some other things that are lurking there that I have to work on. And, you know, it's so popular these days that, you know, everybody is, you know, is always on some kind of a diet. Wherever you speak, there are people always saying, oh, you know, I don't eat this. Oh, I can't eat this. I'm not eating this. You know, I, I can't eat that. Everybody, including me. You always in some kind of a kind of a diet. What about your spiritual health? How is your spiritual diet? How much time on average, or just before we go, how much time? How many meals a day on average would you say you eat? How many at least at least like three meals a day? Minimum three days, three meals a day. Most of us. And probably many of us eat more than three times a day. Because we always find some snacks, we grab something that we see that's appealing to our eyes, we walk on the streets, we see something in the windows, nice donut or, you know, coffee or something. We always eat more than that. How, t- how much time do we spend just by going shopping, just buying groceries for our food, preparing it, cooking it, and eat it on a daily basis? How much time do you put for that? Just an average. Think of any, any amount of time that we spend just trying to feed ourselves physically. Many places at work, you get one hour. At home, we spend, you know, average on dinner, at least, I would say, half an hour. What about cooking, preparing for it, the meal that we have through the day? That's another an hour, right? Now, if I would ask you how much time we spend on an average day trying to prepare and feed us with the spiritual diet. How many of us will be honest to say, you know, Jen, I, am, I can gladly see that whatever amount I spend on trying to prepare for my physical diet, I do the same thing with my spiritual diet. What I mean by spiritual diet? Studying the Word of God, reading the Word of God, praying, thinking, meditating. How many of us would pay, spend the same amount of time on a physical level as well as on a spiritual level. Don't raise your hand, I don't want to know. 
But it's difficult, right? It's tough. Even though we all know which side is more important, right? We know that. But for some reasons, we'll spend more time on a physical food than we'll spend on a spiritual, on the spiritual food. We are what we eat on both levels, physically and spiritually. If you spend most of your time watching and listening to the garbage, I'm talking on a spiritual level, that's exactly the same time what you're going to bring to church and then nowhere else. If you listen to some other people's opinion, that's what we're going to bring to the church. You're going to bring people's opinion to the church. That's what's going to feed yourself. That's how we're going to try to feed others with the same diet. Now, what I want to do, I want to talk about scriptures that already Daniel, Daniel read it to us, which is one of the, if not the most controversial scriptures in the Bible, and especially towards Jews, and also towards many other Christians. But before we just go there one more time, just go open your Bible to John chapter 6. And hold your place there. We'll spend a lot of time in John chapter 6 today. Actually, we spend my 95% of time in John, Gospel of John today. John chapter 6. Just before we go to the, to the, to the text, to the scriptures, give me a quick introduction here. Right at the beginning of chapter 6. Jesus performed a great miracle, feeding 5,000 people with just, you know, few, 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 few fish and, and, and few loaves of bread. And, you know, as the result of it, when we see through this chapter, he himself, Jesus Christ, he offers himself to the people. He said, I am, I am the bread of life. Just, just go quickly to look at chapter 6, look at verse 27. John chapter 6 and verse 27. Constantly throughout these chapters, in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, which so many of us are so guilty, right? But for the food which, endure, which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his heel on him. Just look at verse 32. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And you know, we can keep going. Verse 35. Jesus said to them, If I am the bread of life, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Over and over and over again. Verse 48. I am the bread of life. Look at verse 50. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Over and over, he's offering himself. Just take me. I am what you need. Physical food, you will eventually die anyway. No matter how well you feed yourself, you will die anyway. Feed on me. If you feed on me, I'll give you eternal life. And now, how was the audience response to all, his, all these beautiful words that he was trying to pass on? How the audience responded? Let's look here on verse 41. 
The same chapter, verse 41. Then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And verse 42, and they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is then that he says, I have come down from heaven? How is that? He just can't grasp it. He's, he said he came from heaven. He's the bread that comes from heaven. What is he talking about? Look at verse 53. No, 52. I apologize. Look at verse 52. The Jews therefore quarrel among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They couldn't get it. And Jesus could well stop it here. But he did, but he did it. And look what he goes. He, he just pressed on. Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Musa Shuldi, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And verse 57, it's very interesting. You'll come to this verse many, many, many times. As the living Father sent me, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. And this is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your father ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. This was it. At this moment, Jesus Christ lost his audience. No one could listen anymore what he was trying to explain. In verse 60, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, saying, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? It was very offensive. And yes, he did offend many of them. Did they truly understand the meaning of what Jesus Christ was trying to tell them? Do we understand the meaning of what Jesus Christ is trying to tell us? You know, last Sunday, we all came here together. We celebrated the Passover, the Lord's Supper. We all had a little bit sip of wine, a little bit cracker, piece of unleavened bread. And many of us says, this is exactly fulfillment what Christ actually said here. Is that true? This is it. Just have a little piece of unleavened bread and sip a little bit of wine. We are good. We have eternal life. That's what many Christians, what they believe. That's how they interpret this text. But you know, I'll tell you that this text has nothing to do with the Passover whatsoever here. Nothing to do. What does it mean? How come that the Jews could not get, the Jews could not understand the meaning? How can you eat the flesh? How can you drink somebody's blood? I know that in the Bible, especially Leviticus chapter 17, is totally forbidden to do anything with the blood. Eat it or drink it. It can't. It's only to atone for sin. That's the usage of the blood in the Bible. But there are some other scriptural texts in the Bible that people should have a little bit more understanding what Christ was saying. 
So we'll start with them first, just to try to get a deeper meaning, what Christ was trying to tell us. Let's go to Psalms 27. Just see what it means to eat somebody's flesh. Psalms chapter 27, the book of Psalms. And hold your place in John. We'll, we'll come back there. Come back there. <clears throat> Psalms chapter Psalms 27. And David is writing here. And look what he says here in verse 2. When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Why would you say to eat my flesh? Why? They were really interested just to kill David and and, you know, roast his flesh on a piece of fire so they're just going to have a nice meal and nice lunch? No. What, 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 what could it mean to eat somebody's flesh? Just basically some benefits from David's death. Somebody wanted to kill him so they would benefit in some way from his death. That's just a simple meaning. You can go to some other scriptures, but I don't have time to do all of this together. What about drinking blood? Go to First Chronicle chapter 11. First Chronicle chapter 11. And we all know the story. It's a well-known story. When David was thirsty and he was looking for the water to drink. First Chronicle 11. And let's pick it up at verse 17. We'll have more understanding what's happening here. Verse 17. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the, from the well of Bethlehem, which is by, by the gate. So the, so the tree broke through the camp of Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but pour it out, pour it out to the Lord. He didn't just waste it. He poured it out to the Lord. And he said, he said, Far be it from me, O my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the risk of their lives, they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. What is David saying here? He says, I will, these men risk their life. They risk their lives. They risk their blood. Just for my, whatever I mentions publicly. There is the life, I'm not going to drink it. It's just like, you know, drinking this man's life, this man's blood. Basically the same thing. Profiting from someone else. Profiting or benefiting from someone else's death. This is the message which Christ is trying to sing at the beginning to them. And they just couldn't get it. He's saying, I, I have to sacrifice myself. I'll be dead. And before I die, you have no benefits in me. But before I do that. And they just lost the connection. They just didn't want to listen to him. That's just, just the one part of it. Another image that probably is, you know, we go through some of the images too, and we come back at the end just nicely tied it together. It's just, you know, as I talk to you about the physical food and the spiritual food. And no matter what kind of diet you have, what kind of diet you are, we all know that to sustain your life, Somebody else losing it. If you eat meat, there are some animals that lose their life to sustain yours. If you are a vegetarian or you are vegan, 
There are plants that lose their lives to feed you so you sustain their life. The same metaphor Jesus Christ is trying to say here. He says, as, no, as mother, as long as you try to feed your life, yes, you can be, maybe healthy, maybe more healthy, depends what diet you eat, but eventually you will die. You will just die, and your body will go underground and support the life of others, whether plants or animals or whatever. But, if you eat and drink my blood, something else is going to happen. You're not going to die. You'll have eternal life. What is that? What is this? Eat and drink his blood. How we can understand it? And the best way to, how to relate to it, is to understand the relationship that Jesus Christ had with his father. If you're fully going to grasp the relationship, how these two operated, how these two existed together, how they worked together beautifully, then we know and fully understand how we, as his church, as believers, will nicely cooperate with Jesus Christ. So hopefully, I'll, I, tried, I, I tried many times through the week, I tried, I did many adjustments, I tried to be as clear as I could, just to explain it to it. So be open, I'm open. At the end, we have a sermon discussion and see if that's actually it's helpful to you or if it's not helpful. If you would change it, how would you change it? Just please let me know. But before we go to here, just go back to John chapter 6. One more time. We need the food, no matter which one, physical or spiritual. We need both of them to sustain our lives, whether physical or spiritual. John chapter 6 Let's look at verse 57 one more time. As the living Father sent me, and I live, why Jesus Christ is alive? Because the Father sent him. Right? So he who feeds on me will live because of me. There is the relationship. Jesus, Father, and us, and Christ. We can't separate it. Can't separate it. So if you want to be on the same level, you want to have eternal life, because we have to do what Jesus Christ did with his Father. Now we have to do with Jesus Christ. Go back. Hold your place here. Go back to John chapter 4. We'll glean a little bit more here. When Jesus was at the well with the Samaritan woman there, And John chapter 4, and look at verse, let's start from verse 30. Then the disciples, they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. You need to eat something. Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. What is this food? Therefore the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them. He clarifies what he said. My food. My food. My existence here on this planet. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. You see it? This is my food. This is my existence. This is why I'm here. This is why I live. As much as physical food is important, I have a job to do. The physical foot can wait. If father wants to do me my job, I trust my father who's going to keep me healthy and alive to finish my job. This can wait. This is more important. Father wills is way more important 
They're having a snack by the well. Or having a donut at Tim Horton. Can't wait. Don't worry. You're not going to eat for a half day. You're not going to die. So we see the relationship now. Now, I think that we, if we try to understand this relationship to a deeper level, I think it will be easier for us to have the same relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. And how was this relation to Jesus Christ with his Father? You see, total dependence. Total reliance on the Father. Any situations, not just some situations, any situations. Let's look at some patterns here. For example, everything that Jesus did, all his works, all his miracles, always, always he did by the power of the Father. Let's look at some of the examples. John chapter 5, verse 19. John chapter 5 and 19. All the works, all the miracles... Always. He did all of them by the power of the Father. Never by himself. Look at 5 and verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them. Most assuredly I say to you. The son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do. For whatever. For whatever he does. The son also does in like manner. You see it. I just do. I do. I do whatever I do here. Whatever I'm performing here. Is what my father asked me to do. I do anything. I do nothing of my own will. Look at verse 30, the same chapter. Uh, Verse 30, the same chapter. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous. Why? Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me again and again. Now, interesting fact. As this relationship, as Jesus never, never tried to grab power by himself. He relied on the Father. Look the way how his Father responds to Jesus' prayers and some Jesus' actions. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We all know the story about Lazarus. Jesus late. Late, so to speak. He wasn't late. He did it for a reason. He delayed his coming. So they can see the, one of the greatest miracles that happened right there. And just look at verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was, where it was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. Jesus lifted up his eyes. And said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That was normal, but look what he says next one. And I know that you always hear me. I know that. We have this relationship, I know that. Why I'm doing this thing, look. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. That we may believe that God the Father sent him. Interesting. Do we have this relationship with Jesus Christ that we can just do the same thing? We can go on our knees and pray with confidence, the same way how Jesus Christ had relationship with his Father and a confidence? Another point I want to bring here, when you're talking about the relationship between Jesus and his Father, he did exactly what Father commanded him. Exactly everything what Father commanded him. Look John chapter 12. John chapter 12, and look at verse 49. 
John chapter 12 and verse 49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is what? Everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. It's amazing. His submission to the Father when he walked and stepped on this earth. It's something that we need to learn. Something that we need to master if you want to be effective. Not just in our personal lives. We want to be an effective as a church in general. And you know, if you can hold your place here in John. Let's go quickly just for just one scripture to Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Even in his worst time ever. Matthew chapter 26. And verse 53, his worst time here, even that, he says, or do, you, or, or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? What a confidence. But he understood, this is not God's will. Not yet. I came here for a reason and I came here to finish the work. And he's about to finish the work. Go back to John, to the Gospel of John. And look at, look at John chapter 14 now, and look at verse 10. As we go through the Gospel of John, we hear so many scriptures like that, repeating over and over again. 14 and verse 10. Do you not believe that I, that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. I do exactly what Father asked me to do. This is, this is my job. That's why I came here, and I'm going to finish it. John chapter 8, one more. John chapter 8, and look at verse 29. Job chapter, uh, John chapter 8, verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. But I always do those things that please him. Again. Through the Gospel of John again and again and again. Let me give you another point about the awesome relationship that Jesus Christ had with his Father. He always put himself in a position of submission. Always. Just to show us how we're supposed to do it. Look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse... 26. John chapter 5 verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself. Just think about it. For as the Father has life in himself. He's the source of life. And he was with the Father. So he has granted the Son to have life in himself. He didn't say I just took it. Or just I have it like my Father. He says no. The Father granted to me. And I'm grateful for it. That's what Jesus Christ is expressing here. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. 
Look at verse 20, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send, doesn't say it. The Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, another time, respect for his Father. He will teach you all things and bring to you all remembrance, all things that I said to you. What an example to us to follow. John 15. Verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. And look at this, the next uh, part of the sentence. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. No more, no less. What I hear, I am passing to you. This is my job here on this planet, on this earth. How would you know when you, read, right, when you just go through some of the scriptures, just the gospel of John alone? How would you describe now the relationship that Jesus Christ had with his father? Would it would be fair to say that every moment that Christ lived, every moment that he breathed, every second that he stepped, everything was for his father. Would you agree with me? Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. He did take time to relax. He did take time to spend, you know, time at dinners with other people, with his disciples, to cleanse some things. But he was totally set on the task, on the job that Father gave him to do. And he finished. Faithful to the end, he finished. Let's go back to John chapter 5. John chapter 6. And look at this verse one more time. Verse 56. And just see if we can get a little bit more meaning through this now. As he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. We're getting there slowly. Let me give you another another picture or another analogy here. Look towards the end of John, John's gospel here. The way how, we, how he would describe John chapter 20. Just for a second here. John chapter 20. At, almost at the end of the gospel. And look at verse 21. So Jesus said to the, to the, to the disciple. He said to them again. He says. Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, and I did whatever Father did ask me to do. As my Father has sent me, now from now on, I also send you. You see where I'm going with it? The relationship that Jesus Christ had with His Father. Now He said, "Now I want you to go and do the work and to finish it and to complete it, and I promise you, we will have the same relationship." If you stay obedient, if you feed on me, if you stay loyal to me, if you do, do exactly what I'm telling to you, you're going to do the same miracles what I did. Make sense? 
Now let's explore this thing. Eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Just explore it a little bit more. So, I made a little circle. And you know, we start from one compartment and you will see it. How we going to come. How we going to come around in a circle. So the same, we're going to go back to the same verses again. At the end of it. And you will tell me later. If now we have a better understanding and meaning. What Christ was trying to, 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 to say there. Go to Gen chapter 6 and verse 27. Chapter 6 and verse 27. We are very busy people. We try to support our way of life. But look here in verse chapter, in, in verse 27. What Jesus Christ says. Do not labor for the food which perishes. But for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And look at here. Everlasting life. If we in Christ's flesh and it is his blood, we can say that this equal everlasting life. Let's put this first piece on this little diagram. Eating and drinking is the same as everlasting life. Would you agree with me? That's what Christ says. Let's go look at another scripture here. Look at verse 50. The same chapter. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. Everlasting life. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, again... He will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Skip down to verse 53 here. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, I'll let you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. You have no life in you. So, by eating and drinking his flesh, we have everlasting life. How? How? Go to John chapter 3. So, uh, we all know this verse. Verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One more time. Believing equals everlasting life. Would you agree with me? That Jesus Christ's word. We'll see. We'll come all the circle, all the way around it in the end. Let's, let's look John chapter 6 and see if we can support it. John chapter 6 and verse 40. John chapter 6 and look at verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and what? And believes in him might have what? Everlasting life. 
Look at verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Now, we need to figure out what's the next part of the circle. Look at John chapter 6 and verse 35. One more time. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And look at the next sentence. Believing is one thing. What does the next sentence says? He who comes to me shall never hunger. And then he who believes in me shall never thirst. Believing was the next step. Coming. And as you notice in your Bible, believing is coming. It's part of it. You can't come to something if you don't believe. Look at verse 40 here. Chapter 6. No, chapter 5, verse 39. Chapter 5 and verse 39. And this is very important. Verse 39. For you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And brother we are guilty of that too. Because we search the scriptures. And we try to look for all these different nuances here. You know, sometimes we split the hair, we try to fight, you know, whatever means, whatever means, using the words. Just exactly what the Jews were doing. But by doing this thing, by having more knowledge and having more understanding, this is not going to give us eternal life. Look what Jesus says here. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. You search the scriptures, you find Jesus Christ. It's not scriptures that's going to give you eternal life. It's Jesus Christ who's going to give you eternal life. Eat. You eat and drink his blood by believing and by coming to him. You can be the greatest New Testament scholar and know everything in and out. If you undo this thing, you're just useless for him. Totally useless. Verse 40. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You're not willing. You just thirst for the knowledge, but you don't want to move anything else in your life. It's just, just the intellectual knowledge. Just sit together and argue over some scriptures here and there. But coming and believing and surrendering and doing everything exactly what Jesus Christ was doing, that gives us a little bit hard time. Look at John chapter 7. Chapter 7, chapter 7, verse 37. The Feast of Tabernacle. On On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, Can you imagine, you can picture how many people were there, how many Jews were there to worship God. And he says, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. How many came to him? The bunch of them had a great intellectual knowledge about the scripture. They could quote Deuteronomy inside out and part of other scriptures. A great knowledge. 
how many of them have the courage to fully come in? Let's, let's look at another aspect. You almost come to the end of the circle. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and in verse 10. Believing and coming is one thing. Now verse chapter 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me, in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This is a definition, brethren. If you're looking for a definition, if you ever discuss with anybody, if you're looking for a definition, what John means by abiding in Jesus Christ, that's what it means. Abiding in Christ is the same as keeping his commandments. This is mean abiding. You can't abide in Christ if you don't keep his commandments. No matter what a, you know, what greatly you might think that you hard you believe in God. Many people today say, you know, oh, you just believe. You just believe. No, the circle is not complete yet. It's more than that. Go to John chapter 6. Daniel, can you just put the last one here? Abiding and obeying. And you will see how all this thing is going to actually end up at the same starting point where we started. Go to John chapter 6. And look at verse 56. One more time. We've been through all the scriptures so many times. Hopefully you'll remember. You'll meditate on them. Verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, what happened? Abides in me and I in him. The circle is complete. What does it mean to eat Christ's flesh and drink his blood? That's what it means. It's not just a little sip of a Passover wine and have a little cracker and you say, oh, I'm safe for another year. If we're not doing what Jesus Christ was doing, no matter how many Passover we're going to participate, God said, now profit with, with us whatsoever. Now, let me explain this thing in a little bit different way. You know, I'm trying the best. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for your suggestions, right? And, Some of me, some of you know me for many, many years. Who would say they would trust me completely? Jen, I trust you 100%. Who would be, who would be like that and say, don't put my family. Teresa, I saw your hand first, okay? So you said you would trust me completely, right? All right. Close to the hotel is QEW, right? Can you picture this? We have a QEW, right? Highway. It's busy. We have three lanes going one direction, three lanes going one direction. There is divided in between them, Right? What if I put you on the other side of the highway and I'll give you, let's say, a radio or a phone and I will blindfold you, fold you? Would you still, you're still trusting me? Yes. I will blindfold you so we can't see anything. You're on my phone. You hear my voice. Right? You're on the other side of QW and I'm on this side. You'll trust me. Very good. I will say, Teresa, just make... Two steps. 
You are on the edge of the first line in KW. The cars are coming, right? The trucks, tractor trailers, make lots of noise. You can't see anything. You try to imagine, but you can't see anything, right? So, and then let's say, in a moment, let's say, Teresa, you have about five seconds. I want you to make five steps forward right now. And you go. Round two, three, four, five. Now we're in the middle between the first lane and the second lane. You're standing right there. And imagine people going, hey, what's wrong with you, lady? You're blindfolded. You can't see anything, right? Just look at the circle. To coming, and all those little things, right? You have to have trust in me, right? To come to me. Now, what's the next point? You're blindfolded. You have to obey my commandments to the point. If I say, Teresa, stop, you need to stop. If I say, Teresa, make five steps, no more. You do five steps, no more. You do four. The tractor trailer may catch you, right? Goodbye, sorry. <laughs> it makes sense what I'm trying to tell you. But if you have full trust in me, if, if you believe me, you will come to me. How? Just by obeying my voice. Hopefully, I will never ever have to put you through something like that. Let's conclude here, brethren. One more time. You know, we are in this holy time. Days of unleavened bread. We hear on the first day that, you know, how many of us, we are still attached to, you know, to the baggage that we carry. How many of us are just willing to dump it inside? Just dump it. And just look at Jesus Christ and says, you know, like, I'm for you, Lord. Whatever you want me. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm not going to worry about my job, my mortgage, my family, my stuff like that. Because I know that if I look at you, if I do what I do, you will take care of that. Because we have the promises, right? How much time we spend worrying about stuff that is not productive? What worries produce? Fear. If we have the fear, we can have a perfect life. Totally trust. By eating and drinking his body means everything. Just like we eat our food. Someone needs to die for us to live. Exactly the same thing spiritually. How much time we spend to our physical meals. Just to have a little meal and just to enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that. But at least try to save the same amount of time trying to prepare the spiritual food. And we notice. I notice. If I do this thing that you know what? I'm not spiritually well. I'm discouraged. I feel like sometimes, you know what? It's raining. I'm not going to come to church today. Oh, my back is hurting a little bit today. I don't know if I'm going to be sitting in this chair for two hours and listen to Jen for an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. You see, the, you see what I'm trying to tell you, right? Let's conclude. I have two more scriptures. John chapter 6. You see how much time we spend just in John alone. John chapter 6. Look at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. What a promise. Not just to have a good, you know, healthy, physical life, no matter how long we live, 80, 100, 120, or 75. But imagine have an eternal life. I will raise him up on the last day. What a promise. What a promise. And my final scriptures, I'm going to leave you with that. Isaiah chapter 55. 
I just found the scriptures yesterday. But what a, what a scripture. Isaiah chapter 50. 55. The first three verses of Isaiah chapter 55. I have a New King James Version. So right here, verse 1 will begin like, Ho! Do you have King James Version? Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk. Without money and without price. Verse 2. Why do you spend money for what is no, no bread? Why do we try to compete with other people? Why do we try to spend and kill our lives just to have a little bit extra dollar and something? Why? Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and you shall and you shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Brethren, what food do you eat? This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.